Hello everybody, welcome to episode 25 of Competitive Magic with the Carnies. I'm your host from Italy, Andrea Mengucci, and joining me today, we have a special guest for the first time. It's Twinless Twin. Hi everyone, how's it going? This is Twinless Twin. Uh, my real name is Max, and I'm super excited to be joining Andrea today on the podcast and uh, talking some modern. Yeah, Max, how is it going? Can you can you say for the public your proper surname? Because it was a little bit hard for me to say, so I wanted to let you say it first. Yeah, of course. So it's Kamenowski uh, is the American way to say it, but it is Polish. So I guess you could also say Komanowski uh, with a V. So um, yeah, it is, it's a difficult name to say for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I knew it was something with the, the, the you know the, the Polish accent, and I didn't know how you wanted to pronounce it. So it's good that we cleared it. So <laughs> a, a tw- Twinless Twin is a person that I uh, would say we are online friends, as in we often interact, uh, talking about our favorite deck, Blue Red Merktide. So while this week uh, Anthony and Javier are busy in Philadelphia playing and testing for the Pro Tour, I wanted to invite a, a guest talking about my favorite format, Modern. Oh yeah, I'm super happy to, to be here and always happy to talk about Merktide. Um, so this should be a, a really great conversation. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, Max has a Patreon together with uh, another uh, Merktide lover from Italy, Andrea Piemonti, and they um, what do you guys do in your Patreon? Do you like upload the guides of Merktide, talking about the metagame changes, uploads up, update cyber guys? How does how does it go there? Yeah, definitely. It's it's all of the above, really. Um, we because it's only Merktide content, we're really able to go deep into it. So we always have sideboard guides. We have updated deck lists. We have uh, videos that we make. Uh, one thing that we've been doing is making deep dive videos. So we you know, record a bunch of matches with one matchup. So for example, the Hammer Time matchup, how would you approach that? Uh, and really go in depth into it um, because all we do is Merktide. So we really want to make you a master of that one deck. Uh, and I think that's a great way to approach modern because there's so many options and so many decks and uh, Merktide is definitely one of the the top decks, but you really want to focus on, on honing your skills for that one deck. Otherwise you might be overwhelmed. So that's why we structured our Patreon that way. Yeah, I'm very glad, uh, you know, somebody's taking that uh, approach. I remember talking to uh, Andrea uh, Piemonti about, about like, making a Patreon for just Merktide because it's definitely, I mean, it's a deck that so many players play around the world, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, this is a thing. Um, I have my own uh, Merktide section on, on my YouTube with one Merktide video per week and on Channel Farble with a deck guide uh, per month, but y- y- yours is definitely way more uh, detailed. For sure. Oh yeah, but I always love watching your your Merktide videos every week. So uh, th- those are a great place to to get some content in. <laughs> yeah. So um, we also launched our our own Patreon on the Competitive Magic with the Carnies, where you get access to the Discord. Uh, for example, last uh, Saturday I talked about my thought process going into the the Mox Showcase, where I played a a Merktide list without Channeler that I'm sure we're gonna talk about uh, later in the episode. And uh, I want to shout out to six new patrons of this week, Glenn, Arthur, Cameron, Julian, Carl, and uh, from this morning, Talisker. Uh, thank you all for uh, for supporting and joining the uh, the patron. 
Okay, so I've um, I've set up a, a couple of questions on 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 Twitter um, for you today, which are obviously super interesting, and I'm sure people will love to listen. But first, I want to ask you, uh, Max, uh, where are you from exactly in the U.S.? Yes, I am originally from San Francisco, and I currently go to school in St. Louis, Missouri, at uh, Washington University in St. Louis. This is my last semester, and then I'm moving to Chicago to start my professional career. What will you do? Uh, it's a marketing job uh, with a company called Conagra, and they they make food products, so like popcorn um, or frozen food. They have they have a lot of different brands that they they manage, so should be a lot of fun. Um, and hopefully, I'll still have a lot of time for magic because uh, I love love playing magic. I want to know, how is it going from a place that's like pretty hot the whole year, like San Francisco, to a place, if I know correctly, the American geography where it's, you know, very cold in the winter, right? Where, where you live? Oh yeah, it's cold. And I, <laughs> my, my first year of college, I didn't bring a jacket. So I was, I was shocked uh, by how cold it was. Uh, but I didn't make that mistake again. So now I have the, the proper clothing so that I can stay warm during the winter. And um, I, I'm hopefully it'll start getting warm again soon. We'll see. Uh, but it kind of depends year to year. Um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard Chicago is also very cold. So I guess I'm not going to get back to the warmth anytime soon. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, where, where I live, it's also like very hot in the summer it gets chilly in the i mean i would say cold for my standard but uh you know the the the, the northern american standard is like way way colder than, than the weather here in italy yeah definitely all right so um so we we we've been uh, uh talking uh, this past saturday for the uh, the mox showcase there was this magic online event that happened to be i think a little bit less people than expected only about 200 80 290 yeah modern so, is always super popular uh so 290 is a small modern showcase but it's probably a, a big showcase for the other formats oh yeah modern is by far the most popular uh format of magic online so we ended up both of us playing uh, murktide but i chose to take a route that was a little bit more extreme i would say as i added blood Moon to the main deck so we've been talking about this if I'm not mistaken, you ended up playing with Dress Down in the main deck and Bloodman in the sideboard, whereas I played Bloodman in the main deck and Dress Down in the sideboard. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So why do you prefer Dress Down in the main deck over Bloodman? So it, it's very close because I see it uh, in in two, two potential ways. One is that uh, Blood Moon, I think, offers very high upside. Um, it can be very good against a specific set of matchups, such as Creativity or Amulet Titan, which uh, we'll probably talk about Amulet Titan a little bit later, but um, it's back in a big way. Uh, and it, it also has some utility against decks where it's not as, you know, lights out, game over. It can still be a good card to have in our deck. Um, you just need to fetch two islands and then your mana is pretty good. Um, however, Dress Down is a card that cycles at a bare minimum. Um, it also helps fuel Delirium. Uh, and I felt that it was a more like conservative approach to take 
in terms of main decking a hate card. Uh, I think both of us were thinking we wanted to address Amulet Titan to some extent and just make sure that we we were ready for that matchup because there was a lot of uh, hype going on on Twitter about it. But for me, Dress Down was... Uh, it's not going to be as game over against Amulet, but still, if you Dress Down the Titan, then you have Unholy Heat to remove it. Uh, and Dress Down is great against Hammer Time, which I think is another popular matchup that we struggle against, whereas... Uh, in my opinion, Blood Moon is is very hit or miss against Hammer Time. Uh, it can be very good if you get it down early, but it can be uh, not so good if you're on the draw and you fall behind early, uh, and then it's just a, a dead card in your hand. Um, so Dress Down is never going to just automatically win you a game, but it'll always be a, a pretty solid option. And even, for example, in the mirror, where you might sideboard out Dress Down, game one, you can use Dress Down to stop their Merktide Regent from being an 8-8. And if it's only a 3-3, then it's easy to kill. So there's always all these small little applications of Dress Down that I really like uh, that makes it main deckable, in my opinion. Yeah, this is all uh, all great points. Um, you also played a version with Dragon's Rage Channeler, so you want it to be maybe a little bit more... Uh, as you said, like not dilute your plan too much. So just, you know, keep the cantrip flowing, helping Delirium and stuff like that. Whereas it just took a completely different approach, becoming kind of like a blue moon deck, uh, which maybe made so that uh, the Blood Moon were just basically just became the ba the main plan of the deck. Yeah. Uh, already from yeah. the main deck. Yeah. It was funny because uh, we were very, of course, afraid of Amulet Titan. I played against Amulet Titan in the first round and I lost on turn number three on the play, so I, I had the Blood Moon in hand. I couldn't even play it. Oh, yeah. The, that deck has some very fast draws now, uh, and so you have to be ready. I've, I also came with an extra subtlety, uh, which I think was really smart um, because when you have the subtlety in hand, you just feel so safe against them. You still have to be careful because they might have Pact of Negation, but... Generally, Subtlety is a really good card to have. It buys you that extra turn, uh, which you can do a lot with in terms of setting up your mana, maybe resolving a Blood Moon, or just uh, if they use Summoner's Pact, they have to wait in a whole extra turn cycle. So <laughs> Subtlety might actually be the best the best card to have uh, against them if, if we're finding that Blood Moon is too slow sometimes even. Yeah, so uh, I ended up... It was funny because I ended up losing to the first round Amulet opponent who ended up just finishing first in the in the Swiss. So, uh, But I ended up playing against two more Amulets in the tournament. And I would say that uh, Magus of the Moon, the one of in the sideboard, was also super impactful. It was basically a, either you have the opponent has this member or they just lose on the spot. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's really it's really interesting because uh, Blood Moon is is probably the more flexible card, uh, but Magus is requires such a specific answer, uh, and it doesn't die to Besaju, which is the really big thing against Amulet Titan. Um, however, they also so they have three dismember, and I also noticed the lists have usually uh, two to four forests. So it's it's interesting because it's possible that they actually might have more ways to kill Magus than they have to to remove the Blood Moon, because um, if they only have two basic forests, then it might be hard for them to to find one to kill it. So it all depends on the deck list. Um, but yeah, Magus, Magus, I think, is probably better against Amulet, and it's that was a pretty smart addition by you to your sideboard, just to have that extra 
tool, especially when you're you're playing like a blue moon deck with Serum Visions. It seems very consistent. Yeah, so um, the reason why I also went for main deck Blood Moon is because I was, and we talked about this, um, I was uh, I was facing Elementals deck way more than in the previous week. So I remember you did very well in an online event. Was it the 450 people PTQ? Yes, it was that one. All right. So yeah, you, you, well, how did you do there? Top eight or uh, even further? I, so I made top eight and then I unfortunately lost in the quarterfinals because I timed out. I ran out of time, which has not Ooh. happened to me in a very long time. Uh, but it was, it was a very grindy matchup against, uh, Black Red Scam. And, um, I actually think I, I was coming out ahead. Uh, it was hard to say because I was only slightly ahead, but, we were both top decking and I was going to have, uh, I think I was going to have one extra card and access to season Pyromancer to make elementals. So slightly ahead, I guess it's really hard to say who wins from that perspective, from that spot. Um, but I do think that Merktide top decks a little bit better than, than the black red scam deck does. Uh, so I would have liked my odds, but we both had three seconds left on our clock, and then I I had to block, and that used my last three seconds. So um, I guess the moral of the story is always be careful with your clock. It was kind of a sad way to to get eliminated, uh, but I'm sure that I'll have more chances to qualify for the next RC. Uh, it's still a long way away, so. Yeah, so uh, on, in modern, it seems so crazy to time out to me. I often see my opponents timing out in Legacy or maybe even, you know, in another format. But modern is just, I don't know. I feel like so fast. I almost timed out a match against Elementals uh, where yeah, I, sh- I showed to you. It, it was so crazy. Like game two, I decked myself. I actually like <laughs> ran out of cards. Yeah. My opponent for two times, they played Endurance and didn't put any cards at the bottom. Um, like you know didn't um, replace my graveyard and I just ended up dying uh, with like lethal on board uh, but didn't have turns that's a it crazy was, game was, uh, yeah first first time ever that I decked myself and then game two I won with like two minutes on the clock but wow uh, the, the timer is an issue but I would say that uh, yeah I mean magic online can be a little bit tricky to 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 go through yeah, I have to uh, as, as a client. I have to admit I uh I believe I started the match with only 20 minutes on my clock because I I uh <laughs> I walked away from my computer and I didn't realize the match had started. So I was playing 5 mm. minutes down and I I couldn't believe that it actually came back to to bite me, but um yeah, I guess that's a, a good lesson to learn. Always make sure you're ready for the next round to start. <laughs> yeah, so when that PTQ happened, there was a I think at this point, almost three weeks ago, I remember I played uh, Creativity because I felt like at that moment, Merktide wasn't the best placed. I was playing against so many Elementals deck, so I just wanted a deck that was very good against it, which is Creativity. Definitely. Uh, Whereas, uh, yeah, I I still believe that uh, uh, there is a lot of control decks uh, nowadays, and I, I was a little bit afraid of playing the version with the main deck channeler, but I guess you weren't, and you succeeded that way. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I'm always of the opinion that, you know, if there is a lot of elementals, that's definitely something to be concerned about. Um, but generally modern is very wide and you'll play against a lot of decks. So I generally avoid 
making meta calls, I guess. Um, or if I do make meta calls, I would do what you did, which is just switch to another top meta deck. Um, I think it's very risky to play something like Mill, for example, even this past weekend, even if you expect like a lot of Amulet Titan and Mill is good against Amulet, you just never know what you're going to pair against. Uh, even when I talk with my friends, some of them say, oh, like it's all Merktide in the event. And then personally, I think I only played one Merktide mirror in like 11 rounds. So you never know what you're going to get uh, when it comes to modern. So uh, you know, you, you can make a metagame call, but I think sometimes just sticking to the, the deck that you know best is the, the best way to do it for modern. Yeah, there's uh, some... Uh, Anthony's not here, but he would, uh, he would probably disagree with that. But I understand your point, and uh, it's totally fine. Uh, for example, uh, in the uh, LMS in Trieste that I, that I played, uh, the paper event, I only played against one Merc that in 15 rounds, which was also crazy considering that it was the most popular deck. Uh, yeah, but uh, overall, just know your deck inside out. And as we often say on the podcast, just write your own cyber guide. You know, check the internet to find cyber guides. It's just it really is going to help you in a very long tournament. Uh, speaking of which, you competed in some paper events this this past weekend, haven't you? Uh, I it was last weekend. Yes, last uh, weekend. Yes, the sorry. Star City Games. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I went to Indianapolis um, to play. It was a pre-release was the main event for Phyrexia, um, which was super cool. Uh, but they also, uh, like the cherry on top was they had a modern 5K. Uh, and if you didn't do well in the sealed event, there was a modern 10K on Sunday. So on Friday, we drove up early in the morning uh, and I played in the modern 5K and I went uh, 6.02 in the Swiss undefeated um, with Merktide, of course. And then I won my quarterfinals matchup against Amulet. This was uh, the first time that Mycosynth Garden was legal, literally that day. So I was, <laughs> when, when my opponent played it against me, I, I think I let out a gasp, like, oh my God. Uh, but I still managed to, to beat that deck twice, um, both times with they had Garden. Uh, and then I lost in the semifinals to Creativity. Uh, and it was definitely my fault. So, you know, even as someone who's played a ton of Merktide, you still make mistakes. I, what happened was, is I had the, the best possible draw against creativity game three, where I have turn one Ragavan, uh, and then they just play a Trium and I have the option to play turn two blood moon, but I don't because I had a very good hand. I had like ledger shredder and spell pierce. Uh, and like a, an unholy heat, I think. So I and I wanted to fetch a second island before I played the blood moon. Um, so I, for some reason, I waited, uh, and it was a big mistake because they ended up having a very good hand also. Uh, but if I had just played the blood moon, they would have been they would have been dead. So always play turn two blood moon when you have that option. Uh, that's a very good play. Um, yeah, but... especially against creativity, which is a oh, deck yeah. that just yeah. so cold to it. Yeah, maybe. Some list I've seen playing Strike It Rich, that could be a way to get around, but it's yeah, it's not common. Yeah, that's some good tech potentially, but even then Blood Moon is still, you know, very good because you have to play a card like Strike It Rich to, to beat it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, um how were how were the prizes? The prizes were were pretty good. Um uh, well, it depends. I mean, for me, Magic is is less about you know the prizes and more just about sure. competing. I'm a very competitive yeah. person, but I think for that one, it was a 5K, and I think I got $500 for top four. 
Um, and then, so I didn't even get to it, but I, I also played the sealed event and I made top eight of that as well, which was, uh, maybe a little bit more lucky. I don't consider myself to be a limited master, but mm -hmm. I'm definitely a, a student of limited right now. I'm really trying to, to learn how to be better. And I've been enjoying learning, learning more about limited. Uh, but I had a pretty good sealed pool. Um, and then there was a couple drafts day two that I did all right in to make the top eight. Uh, and I think I won a thousand dollars. I lost in the quarterfinals in the top eight, uh, don't draft blue black. I think that deck is not very good in this format. That's a, that's my advice there. <laughs> yeah, that was a great weekend over there. Then it's nice that, uh, you know, paper magic tournaments are, uh, you know, just coming back. Let's say we have a weekend, uh, pro tour here. Um, in Europe, uh, we have the legacy, um, circuit, uh, it's gonna, it has some uh, quote unquote GPs. I, I wouldn't call it that way. They're mostly like SEGs basically, but. Uh, and just like yours, they don't have a circuit, so it's just a one-shot tournament that qualify for the original championship. Yeah, no, I mean, those seem cool. I'm very happy that paper is coming back. I love paper. Uh, I've seen most of my success on, on Magic Online because that's when I started playing very competitively, uh, was when we were stuck inside our houses for, you know, 24 hours a day. But um, I'm excited to now try to go prove myself in paper and uh hopefully you know make it onto the the pro tour so always fun to, yes. to see friends and play some paper magic I'm, I'm guessing you're qualified for the upcoming region championship in san diego yes i am uh and it's standard which i am excited to learn uh i've heard that standard is is kind of dynamic it doesn't really see a lot of competitive play right now um so it's a little bit unexplored uh but I guess I can also learn from what happens at the RCs in Europe because those are happening before the American RC this time around. So I'll keep a close eye on that, see what decks are doing well, see if anyone has some new innovations, uh, and I'll rely on my friends who play more standard to help me learn the format. <laughs> yeah, ours is the, the weekend of the 10th of March. How about yours? It's the second weekend of April. The I think it's oh, Easter wow. weekend, yeah. Um, oh, so it's a long, a long time after ours. Yeah, it is a long time. I think it's a full, full month almost. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I'm already deep into standard playing, uh, playing paper standard, playing Magic Online. I still haven't uh, uploaded Arena yet. But, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That, that'd be a little too uh, drastic of a measure. I probably won't download Arena either. I'll stick to the standard leagues. I've played a couple of standard leagues. I played two standard leagues. They've been fine. Like uh, a month ago, they were very bad with all the win traders. But so far, I haven't played against any. And uh, yeah, seems good. I mean, I would say that the experience that you get in standard is uh, a lot more grindy. Like timer actually matters uh, in standard. Definitely. Uh, games are so, so long. And you don't have turn one Ragavan unmatched and you win. <laughs> yeah, no. There's no... There's no the, the games are much more grindy and there's a lot of two for ones. And, you know, you may think that if you play modern, you might think you're very far ahead, but then all of a sudden they play some crazy five drop and all of a sudden you're behind. So, uh, it's very different from modern, but, but still a cool format. Um, I think right now it's, it's pretty decent. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's get onto some, uh, like hard eating question about Merktide. 
First question, it's from uh, your friend Andrea Piemonti. Can we can we convince you to play for Ledger Shredder? <laughs> I have been close to for Ledger Shredder for a long time. Uh, I think the card is is very good, and it's especially good if you're playing cards like Main Deck Blood Moon um, because it mitigates the the downside of that card a lot. Uh, you know, if you just have a Ledger Shredder in play and you decide that Blood Moon isn't good in this circumstance, then you just discard it, uh, which is which is really nice. But my issue with the the fourth copy of Ledger Shredder is when you start playing more uh, like two drops, I feel sometimes the deck gets a little bit clunky, especially on the draw, uh, which is always a concern with Murktide game one at least is... On the draw, I feel the deck can sometimes just not have the the, the tools to, to stay on pace with the opponent. Um, so I might be convinced to play for Ledger Shredder soon, especially with the direction the deck is going in terms of playing more situational cards. Uh, I'll just have to think a lot about what cards it makes the most sense to cut and uh, you know maybe have some extra spell snares, like two spell snares, to, to make sure that we don't have too many troubles on the on the draw game one. Yeah, the understanding the the weakness of the deck is definitely like when you're on the draw and you have a lot of like all these reactive cards like counter spells and just expensive cards. Sometimes Merc that Regent can be can be clunky. Uh, the, the, this past weekend, I went down to two Merc that Regent, uh, which um, you know might sound crazy since the deck is called Merc Tide, but I feel like. You only need to cast one at the right time. You don't need to overload with Merc that regions. Yeah, I definitely have seen that, and I've done that before. Um, and I thought that it was good in, in specific metas, especially when the meta has a lot of Teferi and Leyline binding, uh, because then Merc Tide is just not uh, as effective. It's very vulnerable to removal, and it's hard to replay if it gets bounced. But I feel right now there's not a ton of those those effects, so I'd rather have three uh, because I think it's the the quickest clock and the most punishing card to, you know, random decks that might have a game plan where we're able to disrupt them a little bit. But if you give them too much time, you're going to end up losing. So that's why I always like to have three Merc Tides. Uh, and I still am a little bit scarred from losing the, the finals of a Mox showcase uh, because I lost to Eldrazi Tron, where Murktide is kind of unbeatable for them, but I only had two in my list that weekend, and uh, I was praying for a Murktide, but it never showed up, and I lost. Um, but but yeah, I think that if you are going to play four Shredder, going down to two Murktide makes a lot of sense for making sure that you don't have very clunky draws. Uh, so that's definitely something to to consider. Yeah, in. in- to repeat again what you already said, the reason for me to go down to two region is that I expected, as you just said, a Leyline Binding and Teferi, not only from the Elementals deck, but also from the Creativity decks. So I just preferred to have some extra threats like like Brazen Borer, and I played a main deck Season Pyro. Uh, mm. I think this tech originally came from you. You were playing them in the sideboard. I think you were the first one that I remember seeing it. And uh, most the card is just... Fantastic with Blood Moon, because whenever you mm-hmm. land a Blood Moon, the game just slows down and you have all this spare red mana to discard your extra land or, you know, the double blue cards that you maybe can't cast. And uh, the card is just phenomenal. Um, in the mirror, 
against Scam and you know in every matchup where Blood Moon is good. So I decided to just move it to one main deck and even have a second copy sideboard. That's a card I really like and it's a very cool tech of yours. Yeah, that I think that that is really great tech. Uh and it's it's a cool card I stole from Scam. Uh I was like we can play we can play the same game as them. And it really helps in the scam matchup and also the mirror, um, because the mirror you'll have maybe one or two counter spells left in your deck, but otherwise you don't really have a way to answer season pyromancer on the stack usually in the post board game. So it ends up being uh, a good way to to kind of sidestep the the seven removal spells that that both players have. Just make a couple elementals. They can be good for crewing an unlicensed turst or just for beating down while you you kill all their creatures that they have left. So definitely a, a great card and also very good against Leyline Binding. So it's, it's the, yeah. One uh, one card that a lot of people still plays, let's not play as a one-off, is Brazen Borrower. What do you think about it? Do you play it in your list? Right now, I don't play Brazen Borrower. Um, I think it's a card that is nice because it's it's flexible and the the baseline is it's a three one with flying for three which is not the worst um however it, the list is very tight it's always hard to, to find space for new cards um and where i think borrower is the best is probably the mirror uh because bouncing a murktide regent is is phenomenal um it can set people back a lot they might not have spells to replay it right away usually so it can be very good there. Um, I also think it's not awful against Hammer, uh, and it just, in general, does does some good effects against every player. So it kind of depends on your deck. I also think by going down on counter spells a little bit, it becomes a little bit worse because Borrower, one of its upsides was if you could pass with counter spells up and then you could end step flash a Borrower. But with the deck becoming a little bit more focused on on tapping out with like Shredder wanting to cast spells on your own turn uh, and such, then Borrower becomes a little bit less attractive to me. But it's a it's a solid card. I always have one in my deck box ready to to go potentially, uh, depending on how I feel that day. Yeah. So I was playing a four counter spell, so to me it made a little uh, bit more sense. And the biggest reason is as you as you mentioned it's the merc that regent in the mirror match and he Definitely. actually came up you know i won a game one where my opponent went the same turn two merc tides so it until so one of them was just a 10 10 so like you, i could never take it down if it wasn't for a borrower so i would say that it's a main deck concern uh, as well as sometimes you you have uh you pl you win sometimes against uh hammer where they play stoneforge um, they get the Caldra, mm -hmm. and you have a removal spell, but you also have Borrower, so you don't kill the Stoneforge, and they spend their two more mana. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah, it's great. They if invest you, if so they... much mana. Yeah, exactly. And and you can just get that that important exchange, and because uh, as you mentioned, Merktide is a tough matchup. But I don't know if you've also felt that way. That is way less uh, Hammer time than they used to be, or at least online. Yeah, definitely. I think that Hammer Time uh, has gone down quite a bit. Um, I have a, a good friend, ex-Will, Will Kruger, who is uh, a big Hammer Time fan. Um, but in general, I think that maybe what, what has caused that is it's a very difficult deck to play. So we might have seen a lot of people pick it up and then uh, not be willing to spend the time to master it. I'm not sure what else could have caused that. Uh, Maybe the meta has changed a little bit, but 
Yeah, Hammer Time is a is a cool deck. But uh, going back to the Borrower and the Cauldra, that that's like a great play. Um, and I definitely think that some Hammer Time players will will try to get Cauldra against us. Um, my my fr- yeah, Will says that you should take Cauldra out of your deck versus Murktide because it's very hard to actually get it to happen. But um, yeah, I guess yeah, it kind of depends on the opponent who you face, and uh, maybe sometimes that that plan works, and the borrower is just the only card that saves you in that situation. Yeah, the one of the reason for maybe Hammer going down a little bit is again this uptick in the uh, elemental slash control more controlish deck uh, that you know have a, probably mm. have a good matchup. Uh, yeah. Some of the best decks uh, are uh, against uh, against Hammer time. Uh, other than that, I think that um, uh, maybe maybe we want to take a look at the. Uh, what happened this weekend? We, th- this weekend on Magic Online, we had uh, you know we mentioned this uh, 290 uh, people uh, uh, showcase with some of the new cards, but not that many new cards showed up. Well, actually, the the winner Manohito has one copy of Atraxa Grand Unifier in uh, in their uh, five color creativity list. Mm, yeah, that's that's but, uh, that's some spice. Yeah, that's a card that I I've tried it in five color creativity. I was like, this is worse than Archon. And every time I creativity into it, it was worse than Archon. I couldn't persist it back. I wasn't a fan personally. Maybe they were also just trying out. In the top eight, we see two wild decks. We see Death and Taxes came second, which is crazy. Yeah, that is that is really crazy. Um I'm not sure how that happened. Uh, I don't <laughs> see any particular reason why Death and Taxes <laughs> would be good all of a sudden. Uh, but we do see it has some plans like, uh, you know, Stoneforge Mystic is just a good card. You could get the the Cauldra. Um, it has Ephemerate plus Solitude, which can definitely steal some wins. Uh, and then Archon of Emeria. I'm not sure why this card is, is good right now, but maybe it is. Uh, and so, so awesome to see. I could, but. yeah, I, I could say that Leonian Arbiter is definitely a big reason. Again, mm. I played against three uh, Amulet myself, so having four yeah. Leonian Arbiter, four Ghost Quarter, four Field of Ruin must be must be good there. Then in Cyber, you have four Baranton, two Sanctifier and Vex, so you can be fine against the many uh, Merc Tide slash uh, Scam decks. But still, like this is not a deck that you <laughs> have. I don't think I've ever seen this deck top eight in the last yeah, months. Yeah, so. I would. Very congrats to Boyne. Yeah, I, I would yeah. guess that they're they're an expert at death and taxes, and it's a deck they've played yeah, a lot. Is... And they probably, uh, like <laughs> you said, you made a great point about uh, Amulet being a popular deck. They probably faced Amulet a couple times in the event, uh, which <laughs> does seem kind of like a free win for this deck. So um, you know, especially because with the the new list, the focus on getting two amulets. Uh, if you just destroy the bounce land with the the triggers on the stack, then they they don't get any of the mana. So you don't even need the Leonin Arbiter. You just need a Ghost Quarter, and it can and put it can put a big wrench in the plans of the Amulet player. Instead of having four mana, they'll only end up having maybe two mana. So uh, it's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, another another deck that uh, haven't seen in so long was Affinity the. Just, just honestly, just a regular affinity. The only difference is these uh, two haywire might, uh, but the list is the the old one over here. 
Yeah, I love Affinity. I miss Mox Opal. That was one of the, the first decks I had in paper. Um, it's always cool to see Affinity come back. I think that, uh, you know, it's a very different deck than it used to be. It's a little bit more slow and grindy, but it still can be super explosive uh, if you have, you know, some zero drops and then cast a, a Thought Cast and then cast a, you know, some free Sojourner's Companion. So super cool deck to to see back and um, you know, there's not a, a ton of artifact hate right now, uh, like there used to be back in the day. You used to, you know, as Affinity, be afraid of Ancient Grudge and, oh, I don't even know, Shatter Storm, a bunch of different cards, Stony Silence, but people don't play those. So there's always an opportunity maybe uh, for, for Affinity to do well in an event. Yeah, I would say that the deck that gained the most outside of uh, Amulet with the Mikosynth Garden is Mill. I've, I've played a league with this deck. I was so impressed by Jace the Perfected Mind. Uh, we've talked about it in the podcast a little bit, mentioning how this Planeswalker wasn't that good for Modern, but it really didn't happen to be that way because Jace is a 3-mana Planeswalker, and what often happens with this one is you minus 2, you build them 3 cards, and then you draw 3. And then mm -hmm. it might just die on the spot, but still the value that you gained was it's huge and will let you just mill the rest of the cards. Yeah, if you can ever draw three cards with Jace, that's great. I'm curious, uh, did you play it with Tasha's Hideous Laughter or how, how was the decklist changed to make Jace uh, fit in? Honestly, the cut that I love, I mean, so whenever I play Mill, I hate Surgical Extraction. I mm -hmm. hate these cards that are card disadvantage. I always yeah. express so much dislike for card disadvantage cards that, you know, generally I don't play with. So you, uh, overall, just like cards like Necromancia or mm -hmm. you mentioned like Stony Silence, like cards that you just play and nothing happens. Or rather, I mean, Stony Silence, sure, it's a great <laughs> card against one certain decks, but like Stones, you know, like Grafdigger's Cage, cards that way, I always dislike them. And so I was just so happy to see this list from Muzazabi that I believe comes from Demonic Tutors that cut the surgical. And yeah, your deck is just better because you don't have surgical anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, surgical is like such a hit or miss card where I've had opponents, like mill opponents, who will surgical random cards like Ragavan from me. Uh, and it, obviously it's very bad there. Um, I guess Surgical is nice against Amulet Titan, because if you Surgical their Primeval Titans, that's obviously going to be very good. Uh, but I think for a main deck configuration, getting Surgical to the sideboard uh, makes a lot of sense, and the Jace does seem to, to give a lot of staying power to mill. Uh, just, you know, draw three is always great, and it doesn't seem too difficult to draw three when you have eight crabs and a bunch of ways to put cards into their graveyards. So big fan of that, that addition. And uh, it's always cool to see Mill make a comeback. We'll see how long it takes before people start putting Emrakul back into their sideboards uh, to, yeah, to fight so back. The, the reason to have the extirpated and surgical is, as you mentioned, like matchups like Amulet Titan, Tron, Cascade, you know, just combo decks. You like to right. uh, or extirpate the Endurance, things like that. Like, that's great. But they come from the sideboard to me. Like, yes. surgicaling a Merktai Regent, it's just, I don't know. Whenever <laughs> I play against Mill, I always win because this is what happens. Instead of playing, like, actual Mill spell, they play... It's like, for the same reason why in Burn, you don't play, I don't know, Path to Exile or yep. any other effect. You just play Burn spell. And this has to be the same in Mill. And I think this deck list is, is, is very good. 
Well, yeah, Mill is, Mill is very similar to Burn. You're trying to uh, burn your opponent out by getting rid of their deck. So any card that doesn't contribute to that plan, uh, you better have a good reason why you're playing it. And um, trading one for one is generally not good because uh, you're all about working towards one goal. So trading one for one just dilutes your plan and then means that you're going to end up with your opponent having, you know, 10 cards left in their deck. Uh, and even if they have, you know, one less creature or, or the Surger called Merktide, you still lose. So uh, I definitely like that change. Yeah, today I had a game. I was playing uh, uh, Elementals. Actually, it was an interesting list from Respect the Cat, a 70-card list, oh. uh, which is not not normal. Uh, we've seen uh, we've seen Batutinha doing uh, a top 16 with 80 cards in his uh, Elementals list. Uh, we haven't seen that much success with 60 cards. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's possible that uh, uh, 60 cards elemental is maybe not, not I don't know, I mean, it's strange to say, but like you have a bigger, uh, uh, I recall, uh, package, you have uh, some like ba- uh, lands, useful lands, you can mm-hmm. you can fetch any, any type of lands you want, which is maybe hard to do if you only have 25 uh, lands. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I was playing as Mill, and I was they 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 extirpated my endurance, the my four endurance, and I was just at some point I had like fifteen cards. I was dead to any any mill spell, but they just kept on drawing like surgical, <laughs> crypt incursion, ensnaring bridge, just you know not mill cards, and ended up winning the game of like with my f- five cards in the deck. Oh, that's awesome! But, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, this I- is. Um, Go ahead. Uh, since since you brought up the the new elementals list with more than sixty cards, I think it makes a lot of sense because, uh, like you mentioned, the mana base of the elementals deck with only sixty cards is a lot worse than it used to be with the eighty card lists. Um, since there's no Yorion companion, there's a lot of flexibility with how many extra cards you actually do run. Um, one of my friends, Zach Allen, has always been trying to, to figure out for his blue-white control deck how many lands he wants to play and, and then how many extra cards. He always says like something around 65 to 67 cards. So I'm excited to see what players like Respect the Cat and, and Zach Allen come up with. They're definitely masters of that archetype. And um, it'll be really cool to, to see if we can actually get a tier one modern deck that plays just randomly like 67 cards uh, with no companion or any reason to do it just besides the fact that uh, it's the right number of cards. But it might take a while to, to figure out exactly the, the balance for that, but it's really cool to see something like that happening in modern. Yeah, so I I, I had a tracks a couple of times in my head and it was funny because I pitched it all the time. Once to solitude, once to force negation, which is also part of its, um, you know, part of the card. You can pitch it to multiple uh, multiple cards. You, you see that yeah. in legacy with yeah. uh, with grief and force of will. Uh, but also just uh, Elish Norn. I mean, I played a, a mirror match of elementals, and it just came up with who had Elish Norn in play, mm. uh, which was yeah. I, I I I prismatic ending for five. There's you know, interesting plays overall. I only played three matches because the league paused today. Uh, there was a maintenance, but I was very impressed. I mean, the, the 70 cards didn't even feel like... I mean, that's what we learned with Yorion, right? You don't yeah. really lose too much consistency in... <laughs> right, know, right. It's no, tough yeah. to say. And often people ask me about why do I, why am I playing 70? I'm like, I don't really know. Like, <laughs> it, it's just... It sounds right. Also, 
the Elementals cards are so strong, yet the Elementals deck doesn't perform that well. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I have a lot of friends that, that always tell me they want to play Elementals, and I always say they shouldn't. And then they ask why, and they say, it looks so good right now. You know, it's good against Murktide. It's good against Hammer. It's good against, you know, like a lot of the top decks. Um, but it always seems that they don't perform. My my theory is that uh, the decks are a little bit clunky and inconsistent, and they kind of take away a lot of the agency you have, uh, which, you know, I guess it depends. But for me, I like to to be able to make decisions, and I think... A lot of times the, the Elementals deck, you kind of just have to play on curve and, and hope that your curve works out. But um, because you play such expensive spells, uh, sometimes it might not work out the way you want it to. So it definitely has a very high ceiling. I mean, we, we all know that the Evoke Elementals are very strong, but um, still there's, there's something about the deck that just doesn't seem to do well in longer tournaments uh, in terms of its consistency. So... I still don't know if I recommend it, but we'll see as Respect the Cat continues to, to innovate. Uh, maybe they can figure out, you know, that what what can make it that more consistent deck that can get it, you know, into the top eight of a 300-person event. Uh, though as a Merktide player, I'm not sure I'm rooting for them uh, because it's always scary to see a deck that has Leyline Binding and Teferi and Solitude. Uh, but, you know, it, it's also a fun matchup to play, so... Uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll just see what happens. I'm curious why you think Elementals doesn't perform well, though. Yeah, so it's a scary matchups, but one that I've been like surprisingly just like the more I tune my deck, the better I get against it. For example, this weekend with my uh, Blue Moon list, I, yeah. I beat two Elementals uh, in Trieste. I went two one against it. So overall, I think you have this like grindy match. It feels like playing standard, where like each one just draws a lot of cards. You have to maximize. A selecting cards with shredders like discarding extra land so that you do yeah. card advantage by missing land drops yes. whereas they, they can't miss land drops um, so they just naturally flood so you gain edge that way because they play 25 lands you play 19 right uh, uh, so um, overall I think that the reason why elementals doesn't perform it's it's another one I think it's the shock lands so mm. your mana base just hurts you so much and in a 9 round 10 round you will be playing against decks that will put your shock lens to test. So like I played against Prowess or you play against Burn. You just play matchups where starting always from like 12 life totals or 14 life totals will end up hurt you. And yes, Omnath gains you life, but it's probably too late. So I think the the biggest problem right mm. now that Elementals is facing is that red decks are super popular. Yeah. And uh, and they will like bolt you in the end. So even even Merc died sometimes just you chip in some damage, especially with the DRC, and then you just unholy heat uh, Omnath with ability on the stack. They're just never able to gain life, and you just burn them with uh, with bolt. Or if you have breach, you just breach bolt them. Yeah, definitely. That that's a great point as well. The the mana is so painful. I I sometimes as a Merc Tide player, we have very good mana, so sometimes I don't even notice how much damage my opponents take off of their shock lands. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is a big cost still in modern to, to play these four color decks because of the shock lands, uh, the triumphs can be helpful, but you know, it's, it's always hard to balance. And so that's a great point about, you know, a lot of like the red aggressive decks being popular right now. 
Um, and that's that's just a very scary thing for the the four color lists. Yeah, because once you fetch the three basics that you have, that's it. Like you don't have any more basics, and it's not that you stop your curve. You will need to make land drops for the rest of the game. You would love to make them on top because otherwise you're you know playing like gates, uh, and right. you're still losing life with fetch lands and 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 ran and six. So it's really yeah. I mean, it's really painful, and maybe. On a short event, you know, five-match league, or if you play locally, you don't get punished because you don't get these matchups. But in a long event, and this is why, like, it's really important to play a deck that is well-rounded, that yes. has a proactive plan, and just almost can fight against everybody, which is why, I, th- I guess, we like Merktide in a long tournament. Yeah, I think Merktide is, is the best example of this deck, Um because it, it just has such a, a well-rounded plan. Um, you know, Counterspell, to, to some extent, is always going to do something. You know, it has very efficient cards, which means you can always trade. Uh, talking about, you know, with in the Elementals matchup, um, the goal of making them flood is always is something I talk a lot about with, with patrons, is, you know, if they have to get up to, to four mana to cast Omnath, um and then you like mystical dispute it not only are you trading one for one but you're also you know they're drawing more lands on average than you so you're kind of flooding them out so being able to stop those big two for one plays means that they're just going to draw more lands than you and lose uh and so murktide doesn't have that problem with a low land count it's going to be consistent throughout the tournament uh so that's why we like it yeah it's not only that it's also we play four ledge or Ledger Shredder, which is a way to select your cards. You play DRC, which is a way to select your cards and consider. I mean, I played Serum Visions and Spyro as well. So, like, you really draw what you want to draw. Whereas sometimes here, it's just very much like you draw top of your deck, Red and Six just fills you with lands, and you don't really use them once. So, I mean, again, I like Elementals. I've played a lot of Vivian Combo in the past. And I always try to keep up with uh, the innovations to make elementals good because you know I like to play mythic rare is very powerful. Uh, <laughs> that's that's always been my my brand in Magic. But uh, there's something with with Merc that it makes me always be much happier to because once you uh, one thing you said uh, when you said you lost to um, creativity because of the mistake, and I feel like it's something that always happens with Merc. That like every time you lose, it's you always can find. Uh, a reason why you lost which isn't really true for many other decks oh definitely yeah and it's something that i think is one of the coolest things about the deck but also something you have to be aware of is i think that there are some decks where you know especially as a magic online player you might find yourself to be kind of like the the grinder as they say and sometimes as the grinder i know you don't have this problem because you really love magic but uh, sometimes people find themselves just playing just to play, even if they're not enjoying it. Uh, and I think that Merktide is not a deck you can do that with because every small decision matters. So you have to really be invested in the game and be excited about the game. And sometimes when I find myself going on losing streaks, it's because I'm just playing to play. Uh, and I, I have to tell myself to, to stop playing for, you know, take some time off uh, and come back with a more positive attitude. Uh, and then all of a sudden you see yourself start to win really close games. Uh, and it, it feels really good that you like make those tight, smart decisions uh, and they reward you with the deck. 
For sure, yeah. One thing that helps me a lot is that I have access to every card, both online and in paper. I guess with Mana Traders, almost almost everyone these days has, has access to that. So yeah. I always go through decks, like change decks very often. And uh, I, I really understand uh, and just... You know, if I don't like one deck, I can just simply play another one. And, <laughs> and that's something that not everybody has the uh, the fortune to do. It's like meta game. Like if a, a lot of people, for example, you know, are maybe priced out of, of some decks and they, they just have to face the turn one Ragavan every time. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's annoying. It's annoying for sure. And let's talk about something uh, that are, uh, that are uh, people ask me on, on, on Twitter. It's like the newer cards... Uh, how did the um, the newer cards impact Merktide? So one card that I played in in only one copy in the sideboard was Minor Misstep. What what what's your thought on that card? Minor Misstep is really interesting. Um, everyone at first I think saw the card and thought of Mental Misstep, um, which is obviously it's a very broken card and it's a card that is banned or restricted in every format. Um, but having to actually pay the one mana matters a lot. Uh, so it's definitely not close to as broken as mental misstep, but it also has, uh, an extra line of text, which is that it counters one or less, uh, which means it also stops zero mana cards. And I think that's where the real value is, um, because uh, there are a couple modern decks that play zero mana cards that are, you know, technically more expensive than zero mana. So, for example, the Cascade decks like Rhinos and Creativity, they spend three mana to Cascade, and then if you have Minor Misstep, you stop it. And then another example that, you know, is now a big force in the modern metagame is Amulet Titan, which will play the packs. They they now actually have brought back Pact of Negation. So they might have up to seven or eight copies of a Pact in their deck. Uh, and that represents a six mana spell or a five mana counter spell. Uh, and Minor Misstep can stop those things. So I think that's where the value is. Uh, and I guess to boil it down, really, when you play a one mana situational counter spell, uh, you give up flexibility. So counter spell, the card can counter any spell, whereas minor misstep only counters a very small subsect of cards. Uh, so you want to have upside, right? And basically the, the truth is, is trading a one mana counter spell for a one mana spell is not a lot of upside. So it's, it's really about where can you leverage minor missteps so that it's a really uh you know powerful effect like with spell snare countering their two drop for only one mana can break serve on the draw and and really slow your opponent down or spell pierce you can spell pierce a teferi time raveler and that's a really good play right you're never super excited to spell pierce a lightning bolt even though you can and it can be good uh, i think the same is true for minor missteps so i like it as a sideboard card um I think that it also has applications against, uh, you know, a couple decks like Hammer Time, where like just the one mana spells can be hard to interact with on the battlefield. So it's nice to have more counters. Um, in the mirror, it's fine, but people seem to think that because the mirror has so many one drops, it's going to be amazing. But I really don't think it's that amazing uh, because it, it only is trading one mana for one mana, and a lot of cards do that in the mirror. So. But I do think where it really shines is against like Amulet Titan or the Cascade decks. Uh, I think that there it can be very good. And it's nice that 
it works all the way throughout the game, whereas something like Spellpierce or Flusterstorm ends up being pretty awkward uh, later in the game. So I think Minor Misstep might have a place in the deck long term, but it definitely depends on the meta. And when I play that card, it's not to counter one drops as much as it is to to have a good card against, you know, the Cascade spells and the packs out of, out of Amulet. Yeah, so I tried a couple of uh, missteps um, I, b before the, the showcase. I played a league with one misstep main deck, two sideboard. So I was really just like wanted to test it a lot. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the showcase, I played zero misstep main, one misstep sideboard with only with two flash storms. So what happened was that I got paired against Burn, mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, misstep is great because you kind of goblin guide and swift spear, but you know, flash storm would have countered. A million other very powerful two mana plays that right. they play and they win with against you, like Searing Blades on a Ragavan, or um, yeah, I think it was exactly that one that kind of made me be like, "Ooh, this is do you know this is much worse against Burn than I than I thought." Like I thought, messed up against Burn was like, "Oh, you know, you counter a bunch of stuff, it's gonna be good." But when it comes down, they have Skewer the Critics, Rift Bolt, and just a pile of two drops. So. Yeah, they actually yeah, don't I, play too many one drops. They have the eight creatures and then lava spike and lava lightning sp bolts. I think that's it, right? So, yeah, maybe path to exile, but you maybe, know, I, yeah. I didn't like it. Plus, there's creativity, which I'm always afraid of in the tournaments. Mm -hmm. And misstep is just you know decided out against them. Whereas Flusty Storm, you, you you're bringing it in. So overall, I think that yes, against Amulet, it's good. Against Hammer, it's it's good, but. Against Cascade, it's, I think, very similar to Flasterstorm. Yes. It's very yeah. difficult that Flasterstorm doesn't counter a Cascade spell, and Flasterstorm cannot be forced of negation. Yes, yeah. So I think the the big thing is that Fluster is basically going to be a little bit more flexible, I think, in the open meta. I agree with you. Um, and it, it probably still deserves a spot. But then, yeah, the big the big thing comes down to uh, I actually did find Minor Misstep to be very helpful against Amulet because they against us they would try to set up uh, you know a pact of negation to protect and sometimes you know you have like three mana this happened uh, a couple times I've played against Amulet and it keeps coming up so it's very interesting that it keeps happening but they'll they'll like have a pact of negation. And having the extra one mana counter spell uh, is is huge. Um, and then also sometimes, like if you're on the play, you can try to counter their amulet. So I think that's like the biggest draw to minor misstep right now. But if amulet like isn't uh, end up being a big meta share, like if it's not one of the top two decks or top three decks, then I think Flusterstorm is just the better choice all around. Um, but yeah, I guess it just, it was kind of a, a choice to respect the, the hype that was generated around Amulet, but I like your points about, you know, minor misstep isn't as good as you think it is against decks just because they have one mana spells in them. Um, so yeah, Fluster has better, better flexibility there. Yeah, that was, uh, exactly the reason, like, it's not that your opponent has one drop. Okay. I'll have misstep. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> the other card uh, that uh, people ask me so much about, and I want to hear your opinion as well, because I shared mine already, but is Mercurial Spell Dancer in Modern. What do you think about this card in Modern? I tried it in a league and I streamed it. Um, and it was a fun card, uh, but I think that it doesn't have a lot of potential right now in the current Modern. I think Modern's very fast uh, and... 
a lot of a lot of people are playing to the board quickly um and that's not great for the spell dancer you need to basically have it like it was at its best if you played it turn two on the play and then maybe had like a mishra's bobble uh and then you could actually trigger it on turn three but a lot of times it's hard to even trigger by turn three uh and if that's not happening then i think it's just way too slow um and also not to mention ren and six which is just uh a complete disaster if that happens. I mean, it feels bad when your Ragavan or DRC is killed by Ren and Six, uh, and if you're spending two mana on the Spell Dancer and it gets killed, it's a it's a disaster. I think the value of Spell Dancer might come in a deck that has more expensive spells or like more valuable spells to to copy, uh, which is not really Merc Tide. I mean, we have Iteration, and I did copy Iteration, and it, it did feel uh, very good. But um, yeah, otherwise, I think that the card is just too slow and too too fragile. Uh, I think it's probably better than Dreadhorde Arcanist is in Modern because Dreadhorde Arcanist has the problem of being blocked. And uh, but but neither card I think is is really what Murktide needs in Modern right now. I think it's better to have uh, good defensive cards like Ledger Shredder as a two drop that can block well and are uh, difficult to remove. So. I, I think Ledger Shredder can can feel safe uh, knowing that it's not going to be cut anytime soon for Spell Dancer. Yeah, for sure. The combination of just dying to Ren and Six and Fire Ice, as well as the lack of a Ponder and Brainstorm to easily set it up. Yeah, it's what definitely. makes it I think good in Legacy and and bad in and bad in Modern. I do think it's good in Legacy though. I do think that uh, um, we already saw it in a winner uh, challenge winner list. So I think it has a lot of. Uh, a lot to shine Mercury spell dancery legacy, but you know, I yeah. think that uh, in, mo in modern it's just yeah, it's not too good. Definitely, I agree. I'm excited to see it do well in legacy. Also, I I was a fan of Dreadhorde Arcanist, so uh, nice to see another card like that coming back in the Delver decks. Yeah. All right, Max. I think we had a nice uh, a nice talk. Do you have any anything else you want to say on on this platform? Uh, well, I actually still think that you have some explaining to do because you haven't told us about Serum Visions and why that was the card you chose <laughs> to, to play instead of Dragon Rage Channel. I know you said you, you wanted to be more like a, a Blue Moon deck, but why specifically Serum Visions? All right. Yeah, thank you. I did forget about uh, mentioning <laughs> it. So uh, the reason uh, why I chose it is that... Uh, uh, DRC helps you f fill Delirium for an Oli Heat. Uh. So once I'm removing Channeler, I will have harder time hitting Delirium. Plus Serum Visions is a sorcery and this deck struggles putting sorceries or artifacts in the graveyard. So that would help uh, Delirium in that regard. Mm -hmm. So that was like a one mana play, uh, just like Channeler, but and that would help Delirium just like Channeler. It would also just be a way to maybe help setting the moon. Also, a play that I love to do, I don't know if you've ever done this, is you play turn one Serum Visions, obviously it's rare, but it can happen. You play turn one Serum Visions and you see Mishra's Bubble in your top two cards. You put Bubble as your second card and then you play a turn two expressive iteration with Bubble on top. Oh. And uh, yeah, that is something that it's so rare to happen. It, it didn't happen this weekend. It happened in the past to me and I've, I've done it like once or twice, but... I always look for that play whenever I have Serum Visions and Iteration. Yeah, that's that's a really cool play, actually. I like that a lot. So how did it perform for you? Did you feel that it was uh, the right call for the weekend, or did you miss Dragon Rage Channeler? Um, I went 6-3, and three, which, you know, it's not 
an amazing record or anything, but I would say that uh, the classic sentence of all my losses were 2-1, very close very close losses. Of course, of um, course. I lost to uh, Breach, sorry, not Breach, Prowess, but almost lost to the card underwear Breach, both games I lost. Mm. I didn't really lose to Monster, Swiss Beer, and Friends, just lost to uh, Lightning Bolts and uh, from, from Breach. So um, I lost to the Amulet player I mentioned, can't remember the third loss on top of my head, but... Um, uh, do you, you lost know, to Eldrazi I, Tron, right? Oh, right. Thank you. Yeah, I lost to Eldrazi Tron. That's true. I lost to Eldrazi Tron, <laughs> uh, which, you know, they had all this natural... Not natural... I think, yeah, what, they had Tron turn three, the, both game two and three, and sometimes, you know, that can be that can be rough when you, you, you don't have your moon. But yeah. Um, Overall, I think that they performed well. I've cited out one or even two certain visions at times, especially when Anoli Heat was a little bit weaker. Um, and uh, yeah, overall, I think, you know, if I had to play a tournament again, I would definitely try to play uh, this main deck Moon again. If you want to play DRC or without, I think it's it depends on how many uh, endurance you, you expect to play against. But uh, personally, I like the Blood Moon. I think mm -hmm. they're very well positioned in the metagame, even the decks against like mill decks, Blood Moon is super good. Even against uh, Urza Saga decks, Blood Moon is super good. So I really like Blood Moon main deck. Yeah, I, I think I have to give Blood Moon another try. And I think that your approach of making the deck more coherent with Blood Moon makes a lot of sense. So I'll have to give your list a try. Um, and I'll, I'll report back on my findings. But I, I am a fan of Serum Visions. Uh, it's a sweet card. Um, yeah, so I think that is a, a very uh, in is a very creative uh, solution to the problems you expected to to face uh, this past weekend. Yeah, because I faced a lot of endurance, not only from elementals, also all the three amulet players I played against had endurance. So yeah. five of my nine opponents had three to four endurance post-cybered against me, mm -hmm. uh, which always meant that I would have cited out uh, DRC against them, as well as just some of them had an endurance main deck. Um, yeah, so overall, uh, this is the... This is my current uh, my current approach on on Merktide. Uh, I believe this weekend that there is no premier event in Modern. I think I saw a Pioneer and a sealed one. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I there is four Modern challenges now though, so uh, lots of opportunities to to hop in and play some Modern uh, at any time zone, which is super cool. It was awesome that Daybreak Games did that uh, because. Even though it might mean that I might <laughs> make a bad choice and, and join a modern challenge that's going to keep me up far past my bedtime, uh, at least I have the option to make that choice and <laughs> and play some extra matches of modern and uh, try to top eight a challenge. So um, definitely check that out. Uh, even more reason to, to get into Magic Online and start practicing your favorite modern deck. Hopefully it's Merktide. Um, but... Yeah, super, super cool that there's more opportunities to, to play competitive events now. Yeah, so I prefer to play the, the longer one, the like the, the mocks or the PTQs because they award the leaderboard points. Right. I have uh, I have uh, some leaderboard points now, so I was trying to, you know, go for a deep run on those ones. Unfortunately, I only uh, did well in one of them, the one, the, the legacy one that I won. So yeah. I still have to, yeah, it's, it's this, these events are so hard. Oh, they're super hard. The uh, the the leaderboard is always very competitive. I found myself 
in the race, uh, I think it was last season. Um, and if I had made top eight of one of the sealed mox opens, I might have ended up making it to the mox, but uh, it was not meant to be for me yet. I'm still a, a limited apprentice. So good luck with your leaderboard hunt. It's a, it can be a grind, but um, you know, hopefully you, you make some more top eights and, and get to put up a, a nice finish and maybe uh, qualify. Yeah, it's not that I really grind it. I think I just play <laughs> if there's a, a modern one or, you oh, know, course, legacy yeah, one, I will play. But I'm not going to play any sealed or I think there's Pioneer, which I don't really follow these days very much. But I will definitely follow this week and there's the Pro Tour. So we're going to watch Yeah, Reduke playing Paper Pioneer. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to watch some Paper Pioneer. I'm excited to see if anyone brings new decks. Uh, I feel Pioneer could could use a bit of a shakeup, um, and hopefully some of the testing teams have uh, a, a new deck that is going to to make Pioneer interesting again. Um, my eyes will be on like Lotus Field. I think is always a deck that can have some really cool innovation done. Uh, I, I don't know. There's the new Fastlands, so maybe there's some opportunity there for a deck that used to have bad mana to to turn things around. Um, oh, one other I like. Go ahead. I like Attracts a lot. I think Attracts oh, yeah. is just a fantastic card that you can break it in in formats like this one. Yeah, I saw a Sacrifice deck that had the Vat of Rebirth. I think is the new card. Uh, and I think it says every time a creature or artifact is put in your graveyard, it gets an oil counter, and then you can sacrifice it with four oil counters to reanimate a creature, right? Wow. Um, and I saw someone play that in Sacrifice, and I, I believe the way the rules work, if you sacrifice a treasure token, it triggers the Vat of Rebirth, is my understanding. Uh, because yeah, it goes to the graveyard. Tokens token. do temporarily go to the graveyard. Yeah. So it seems kind of easy to get four oil counters, and then you can use Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Blood Tithe Harvester to put Atraxa into the graveyard and then bring it back into play. So I thought that was super creative deck building, um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, if that that shows up at all. Also, Gigantha casts Atraxa. Super cool. Uh, there's some yeah. cool things going on in Pioneer that maybe uh, are not powerful enough for modern, but definitely in Pioneer, we might see some attracts as entering play. Um, I, I saw that you you made a Mangucci Finance move and uh, sold your attracts <laughs> for 26 tickets. <laughs> but yeah, it, was, it felt so smart because I bought it for eight. <laughs> just in the future, if you could update me privately when you're going to sell a card so I know to buy more copies of it and... Uh, that that way i can make some profit but um <laughs> it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it probably won't I stay bought, oh. yeah i bought uh I, I try to like in the, the way i approach magical line uh, finance these days is uh, when the set comes out like few days after i buy um just the mythic rares i try to buy you know almost all the mythic rares that are kind of like I bought all the Elish Norn and the Traxas and you know all the cards that you would expect. So some of them spike because there must be some good cards in a set, right? Of course, yeah. It's just a matter of time before people find the deck and then all of a sudden they spike and we'll see how long Atraxa you know stays at at that price point. I don't know. Is, is Atraxa what is it going for today? I'm so uh, yesterday morning when it woke up was seventy, which was insane. Wow. And now it's. 
around 40, so it halved. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I have one. I kept one because, you know, you play it in some some one of in creativity or in legacy as well. I've seen a list that I'm going to stream tomorrow that has Greenstone Zenith and Natural Order. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. I'll have to tune in for that stream. That'll be interesting to see if Atraxa... Well, one thing I think you mentioned earlier was Atraxa is a blue card, uh, which is very nice in Legacy because of Force of Will. Uh, it's also a black card, so Grief. So I wonder if there's some potential there in terms of playing it in a deck like Sneak and Show uh, or Reanimator uh, because it's such a flexible card as you know a creature to put into play That'll, that'll draw you some cards uh, or as a card that you can, if you have extra creatures in your hand, this is a problem that Sneak and Show, I, I'm a fan of Sneak and Show, so I've played it before a lot. It has a problem where if you draw two Gristlebrand, the second one doesn't really do anything. So even if Atraxa isn't better than, than Emrakul or Gristlebrand, maybe you can uh, cut a couple copies of each and like play all three just so that you have more hands where if you have a force of will, you can pitch the extra creature and, um, you know, then, then all of a sudden your, your dead card becomes a force of will and you win the game. So super interesting there as well. Yeah, for sure. This is just a competitive mindset of building your decks. You don't only have to build your deck for the best case scenario, but you have to optimize your deck for when the deck just, you know, doesn't perform. So, right. This is, yeah, this is exactly it. Like, people are playing Atraxa in Legacy now, not only because it's similar to Grizzlebrand, but because you can pitch it to Force of Will. And that's a huge, uh, a huge thing. And one of the reasons why the card, I think, we'll see play. Like, I think it's definitely a card that we will have with us, just like Grizzlebrand. Like, it will be peer to peer with Grizzlebrand and Arkham of Cruelty as the best cards to uh, just cheat into play somehow, whether it's from the graveyard, from hand, from deck, things like that. Yeah, the, the scariest part is that it's blue, which uh, in Legacy is very bad because of Pyroblast. So there's like upside and downside to that. So that's why I thought that maybe it'd be interesting in Show and Tell because that deck is already weak to, to Pyroblast. So it's not really an additional weakness in that deck as opposed to Reanimator. Uh, all of a sudden, if you start playing a, a blue-black reanimator deck, well, now your Delver opponent's going to have four Pyroblasts against you, and it's very good, which doesn't necessarily sound like something I would uh, actively want to do in my deck. So, you know, that, that was kind of my thought process, but we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's a great card for, for balancing your deck out to, to not just hope for the best, but also be ready for the worst, uh, like you said. Yeah, the, the show and tail, actually, might, the sneaky show might have a resurgence because they're, um, all the Delver decks right now are playing with three copies of Minor Misstep. And uh, just like in the past when Mental Misstep was uh, uh, was floor of in every Legacy deck, show and tail was super popular because the combo wasn't a one-mana card like Storm or Reanimator. Oh, it was yeah. a three-mana card. So you can do this kind of levels. Uh, we will see how, how, how long uh, Legacy goes. I'll probably still be playing some Ancient Tombs, though. So I'll be playing uh, either Initiative or 8-Cast. That, that's what I like to do. Awesome. Yeah, those are both sweet decks as well. Uh, yeah, now now I'm excited to play maybe some Legacy this weekend. <laughs> okay, one one last thing that I, I think that viewers would be happy for us to talk about is Underworld Breach. I saw you made a tweet yesterday uh, saying that 
you are you're done with underworld breach is that is that correct well so i was slaying uh, uh i think it was prowess uh, no actually it was a mono rider bosh deck which um i was playing mono rider bosh and uh, i played against merc tide but they never cast a single merc tide they only cast breach and every time they cast breach they drew maybe like three cards and or stuff like that and I just never had answers for a Merktai. Like, the deck of Mono Red Abosh isn't uh, well suited to, to beat a Merktai. So just like you said uh, earlier uh, when we were talking, the, uh, let's say the, um, not, <laughs> how do you say, like the most, I don't want to say random decks, but like decks that aren't uh, decks that you would expect might suffer heavily from Merktai region. Exactly. So in a longer run, you will play against those decks. Yep. three or four times and having marked that to your deck just naturally gives you an advantage uh, that's a hundred percent i agree i also uh you you came to me with a list and you were thinking because of all of the leyline binding and teferis and solitudes maybe we should play breach instead uh and i think we both tried it a little bit on friday before the showcase um but what i found was there was lots of situations where I would be happy to play maybe just a 5-5 five, five or 6-6 six, six Merktide on turn 3 or 4, but instead I had Underworld Breach in hand, and if you miss land drops or if you know, you're know you waiting because every land drop you make lets you cast an extra spell, uh, I ended up waiting until turn 6 or turn 7. And then all of a sudden they would like, I played against Black Red and they would grief me and then I lose the Breach. Or they like they played a blood moon against me and it was randomly good. But if I had just had the Merktide, I would have played it. And they have like two terminate to answer Merktide main deck. So uh, I, I like to be able to be proactive. I think game one with Merktide, uh, your your deck is kind of imperfect to an extent, uh, where the the linear decks of modern will eventually find a way to win against you. Um, until you get access to your sideboard cards that are very good usually. So game one, I like to try to, you know, be more aggressive and close the game, which is why I like Dragon Rage, Channeler, and Murktide Regent in my deck as opposed to, you know, Underworld Breach. But I guess it's all a matter of perspective. Blood Moon also probably does a similar thing where uh, in a longer game, it can really shut out the opponent from a lot of, of their, you know, tricks and spells. So uh, maybe that's a reason to play Blood Moon as well. Yeah, like the first time I talked to you this past Friday uh, was because of Breach, like playing Breach over Merc died, and then I just went completely in the opposite direction <laughs> and didn't even and didn't even play Channeler at the end. So yeah, uh, yeah. it was a, a definitely a learning experience that I had uh, by talking to you as well as uh, playing with the, the I was playing three Underworld Breach in this like Merc Tide uh, Merc Tide deck without without Merc Tides, and you know I prefer the list as it is. If you like Fair Breach, like the Just Sky Breach, uh, the Fair Breach, I think it's fine, but I prefer to be on the Counterspell plus Merkta Regent plan. Yep, I definitely agree. I'm glad that we we have come back to our roots as Merktide players. So <laughs> that's that's true. Okay, so to all the people that arrived uh, at this point, I wanna I wanna thank you. I hope you had a, a learning experience, and, and you will play uh, Blur Merktide. You know, tag us, let us know how did it go. If you learned anything here, so I am Mango09 on Twitter. What about you? Where can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Twinless Twin. Uh, you can find me on Twitch at Twinless Twin MTG. Uh, and you can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash Guide. Uh, and we hope to see you all there talking about Merktide. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast this week. It was super fun to talk about Merktide and Modern. Uh, I could talk for many more hours, but <laughs> I'm not sure how many people want, want us to do that. Um, but yeah, it was a great conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for accepting the invite with uh, such short notice. Uh, again, um, you will find us uh, in the Carnies next episode. Javier will be back, hopefully with a trophy, because both him and Anthony are competing. It's super exciting to hear how the you know big teams, the proper pros, are practicing for a paper PT like in the old days. So yeah, stay tuned for that one, and uh, have a good week, everybody. All right, bye, guys.